evils that we experience in this world can be reduced to one simple cause. That the majority of people have pushed Christ and his dominion out of their lives in private and in public life. If that assessment is correct, there can never be any hope for goodness in this world unless people and their governments submit to the reign of Christ, who is our only Savior. We need Christ's reign in order to have justice, order, and peace. But for a long time now, Christ's dominion in this world has been on the decline. And we have suffered as a consequence for it by division, enmity, and disruption in an otherwise orderly way of living in society. The title king for Christ is, of course, a metaphor because he is God and, of necessity, has supremacy over all creatures who are his creation and his subjects. His rule, his kingdom, is essentially something interior, something that resides within men. As he himself said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's in their minds, it's in their wills, in their hearts. However, the title king also refers to Christ's humanity. It was in his human nature that he received from his father, as he said, all power in heaven and on earth. Remember that when the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary that she would bear a son, he told her, the Lord God shall give him the throne of David his father. He will rule the house of David forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And everybody knows the famous Alleluia chorus from the Messiah, which has words taken from the Apocalypse. King of kings and Lord of lords. This is a reference to Jesus, our King. Christ's rule and his authority, being essentially spiritual, are not won by wars and forced subjugation. They belong to him simply in virtue of being God become man. Our Lord then had to correct the erroneous idea that he had come to be an earthly king. My kingdom is not of this world, he said. It is the spiritual power of Christ in men which makes them righteous and holy and which changes their ways to conform to the New Testament. 
However, saying that Christ's kingship is essentially spiritual doesn't mean that he has no authority over civil life. The the rule of Christ extends to every man, not only to Christians and to Christian nations, but to all men everywhere. All are subject to him, whether they know it or not, whether they admit it or not. But this must only follow logically from the fact that he's God. He is everybody's supreme ruler and king because there is no God other than he. This means that Christ is truth and goodness and salvation, which is meant for everyone without distinction. But even in this world, Christ is meant to rule over the lives of all the citizens of the world. One can only dream what kind of world this would be if all its rulers and all its peoples were subject to Christ and submitted to his commandments and to his law of charity. What kind of world would this be? Certainly it would not be a utopia. Utopia is a fantasy conjured up by men which imposes and enforces an iron rule of conformity to arbitrary human laws. But the reign of Christ is different. It's the voluntary submission of mind and will to the ways of God done out of filial obedience and love. If Christ were our king of all the world, we would have true liberty, both in private and in public life, even though sin would not be entirely eliminated. As with many of you, I'm mildly hopeful that the people of our country are now in the process of making a turnabout to a return to order and to sanity. I hear some people speak of the expectation of the president-elect in glowing terms, and others, of course, in the worst of terms. But my point is that there is no human savior who can set things aright. Only individual people can do this through their willing obedience to God and to his reign over them. Only through the surrender of their rebellious and sinful ideas from willful impulses which drive God out and which wreak havoc upon society. The reason the church has the Feast of Christ the King is because in the year 1925, Pope Pius XI decreed that by this feast day we might have a more blessed Christian society. But when you think 1929, 
Men have followed a very different path and have given way to rebellion and to the worst cravings of fallen human nature. And the result could have been predictable. Wars on a scale and a brutality never before known in human history in the 20th century and into ours. And an atheism which has spread and eroded the moral fabric of millions of people's lives and the unspeakable misery following from these. Not everyone is Catholic, certainly. Not everyone is Christian. But if only the Christians would submit to the reign of Christ, the whole world would, as a result, be a more just, more orderly, and peaceful world. But this can only come by a one-by-one obedience and submission to Christ and his laws. It's this that would curb the secularism, the rejection of God over men's lives. When the Pope instituted this feast day, he acknowledged, however, that believers are typically slow and timid to be forthright and engage in conflict with the spiritual forces that oppose Christ. Evil forces have had the ascendancy for a long time because good people lack courage and the conviction of their faith. The Pope, and I speak again of Pius XI, wanted to encourage us to submit to Christ by making every year an act of consecration of the human race to the Sacred Heart of Jesus on this day. This is a way of giving personal allegiance to the Lord, asking Him to take His rightful rule over the souls of all our people. And so, I would like to make this act today and have you join in with me by your attention and your will. So if you would do this, I ask you to kneel down while I make the act of consecration. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Most sweet Jesus, Redeemer of the human race, look down upon us humbly prostrate before your altar. We are yours, and yours we wish to be. But to be more surely united with you, behold, each one of us freely consecrates himself today to your most sacred heart. Many, indeed, have never known you. Many, too, despising your precepts, have rejected you. Have mercy on them all, most merciful Jesus, and draw them to your sacred heart. Be king, O Lord, not only of the faithful who have never forsaken you, but also of the prodigal children who have abandoned you. Grant that they may quickly return to their father's house, lest they die of wretchedness 
and hunger. Be king of those who are still involved in the darkness of idolatry or of Islam. And refuse not to draw them all into the light and kingdom of God. Turn your eyes of mercy toward the children of that race, once your chosen people. Of old they called down upon themselves the blood of the Savior. May it now descend upon them as a laver of redemption and life. Be king of those who are deceived by erroneous opinions or whom discord keeps aloof and call them back to the harbor of truth and unity of faith so that soon there may be one flock and one shepherd. Grant, O Lord, to your church assurance of freedom and immunity from harm. Give peace and order to all nations and make the earth resound from pole to pole with one cry. Praise to the divine heart that wrought our salvation. To it be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.